Good morning. Just want to say welcome to everybody here. You know, I love the song that we sang before that, Hope of the Nations. You are the hope living us. You are the rock in whom we trust. You are the light shining for all the world to see. Hope. Christmas is a season of hope, joy, and peace. Question is, why do we only make this part of the year so much about hope, joy, and peace? For some of you, you might find it a little awkward that I'm wearing a t-shirt up here. You know, growing up, I would have never imagined a pastor wearing a t-shirt up on the platform. Or even in college, I would have never thought that would have been okay. But I want to tell you the little backstory about this t-shirt. You know, so for those of you, I don't know how many of you watch the show NCIS, but me and Allie watch it. And Gibbs has a list of rules. Very unique rules. And rule 39 is there is no such thing as a coincidence. And I'm going to tell you it's not a coincidence of how I came to the shirt. It's a God story. So like we said, Pastor, he said he has shingles. So we talked on Thursday. He's like, you know, will you fill in? I'm like, oh, I don't know. It's Thursday. I'm already, you know, preparing for FAQ class. I'm like, I don't know. He goes, I think you can do it. I'm like, okay. And he said, you know, well, it's Advent. This week is hope. I'm like, okay, hope. What can I preach about hope? So I started praying. All right, God, whatever you want me to preach on hope about, you need to reveal it to me. You need to give me some inspiration. You need to give me a sermon. So Thursday night, me and Allie go to Rose's. And what is hanging there right in front of my eyes is this T-shirt. No coincidence. God's like, yeah, I want you to preach about hope. So we're going to go for it today, you know. We're going to pray first. Father God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this season. We thank you for sending your son for us. Speak through me now, Father. Just put your hand down upon me. Let me be a vessel used for you. In your name, amen. The word hope is used so much around Christmas time. You know, I hope you have a Merry Christmas. Some people, not even just children, will say, I hope I get all the presents I want. Maybe you said, I hope I get a good deal on Black Friday. I hope the lines aren't long. And some of us are even saying, I hope my crazy uncle doesn't ruin the Christmas party again this year. But hope, where is the hope? Our hope should be in Jesus. I know it's easy to say, it's easy to say, well, just put your hope and trust in Jesus. But it's a lot harder to actually live it out. Like in our FAQ class today, if you haven't joined us, I encourage you to join us on 9, 930s where we're talking about different questions. And so our question today was, why do bad things happen to good people? And again, we could just tell those people, just have hope. Just have hope. But it's not as easy to live it out as it is to say it. How much hope do you have 
when your car payment is due and you only have $20 left in the bank account? How much hope do you have when you lose your job? Not how much hope do you say you have. How much hope do you actually have? Again, our hope should be in Jesus. He is the one who came to give us hope. John 10.10, it says this, The thief comes not to just steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you might have life and might have it more abundantly. We have hope, and we need to grasp onto that hope and hold tight to it. Today in class, we talked about Job and the hope that Job had. And in Job 11, it says, And you shall be secure and feel confident because there is hope. Yes, you shall search about you, and you shall take rest in safety. God has promised us abundance of peace and eternal life. So Christmas, if it's about hope, what else is it about? A lot of people will say, it's all about the presents. Some people will say, well, it's about family. Christmas is about spending time together with family. Some people really enjoy the lights and the decorations say, Christmas is about that. And some people say, Christmas is about the food. Yeah, we found that out last night, and I'm still trying to work off those desserts. Thank you, Ron and Tracy. You know, but they would be right. Christmas is about those things. And it is about the presence. It's about the presence. But think about this. Here's the crazy thing about the presence with Christmas. Is Christmas is about Jesus' birthday. But yet, we are the ones receiving on Jesus' birthday. How would you like it if you had a birthday party and everybody else got presents except for you? I'm going to be honest, I would not like that. I enjoy receiving presents. I enjoy receiving gifts. I think pretty much everybody does. And if you say, well, I don't like presents, I think you're lying. Because it's, it's, it's nice to get stuff. But what could we possibly give to Jesus this Christmas season? Here's your gift. You give it to Jesus. What's inside? What's inside that you're going to give to Jesus? Some people have a hard, having a hard time giving gifts. Some people have a hard time getting gifts. Some people have a hard time making up their Christmas list. Allie always asks me, well, what do you want for Christmas? Like, I don't know, you know. Normally if I want something throughout the year and I see it, I go ahead and get it. You know, so I, for me, I have a hard time. But what is the one thing you can give to Jesus this year? The answer is your worship. Above all else, the one gift that you can give to Jesus is your worship. Normally around this time, we normally have a Christmas concert. You know, we have a group in and we sing some songs. Well, today, I'm going to let you guys be a part of that Christmas concert. Jesus wants your worship. Worship is not just a sometime thing. 
It's an all-the-time thing. Worship is so more than the songs that we sing on Sunday mornings. It's the life that we live the rest of the week. So we're going to look in Matthew 2. Go ahead and turn there. Matthew chapter 2, it's a very well-known part of the Christmas story. Pretty much everybody you know, has the basic concept of the Christmas story memorized by heart. So Matthew 2, we're going to start in verse 1. It says this, Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. So they said, we've seen the star and we have come to worship him. From what we know, this says about the wise men. Wise men can also be interpreted magi. Some people will say that this also could mean kings. How awesome to think that these kings went to worship the king of kings. Now, if you've ever seen a nativity scene, which I'm pretty sure you all have, you know, tradition says that there was three wise men or three kings. And we probably get that from tradition because there was three gifts, one of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But from studying scripture, we don't really know how many there were. We do know that they were probably from Babylon. And the reason this is because of how they came about in knowing that Jesus was going to be born. You know, they came and told King Herod that he was going to be born in Bethlehem. How did they know that he was going to be born in Bethlehem? It never says that, you know, angels appeared to him. From the writings of Daniel in Daniel 9, it was revealed that it was going to be 70 times 7. So that many years. So they knew it was going to be 490 years from the time that Daniel wrote this, that there was going to be a Messiah born to when they were there. And it was just passed down from generation to generation. Now these magi, because they were from Babylon, they didn't have all of the books. So they didn't have the one that said that he was going to be born in Bethlehem, but they knew that he was going to be called the son of David. And they knew Bethlehem was also referred to as the city of David. So even though these wise men saw the star, we're not exactly sure that they followed the star. It was about 900 miles from Babylon to Jerusalem. These men were determined. If you drive 60 miles per hour today, it would take you 15 hours to go 900 miles. So imagine how long it took these wise men, whether they were on foot or on camel. We know back in Ezra, it says that it took the people about four months to get from Babylon to Jerusalem. So needless to say, these men were faithful and determined. They went to do one thing and one thing alone, and that was to worship this king of kings, the Messiah. Now, most of us think about worship. We think about singing. You know, but the biblical form of worship is so much more than that. When you look at the Greek word, it's translated proskuno, and it means to fall down or kneel. And fall flat 
in reverence or adoration. That must have really thrown people for a loop because they would say, we're going to worship the king, to fall down. But everybody knew that back in Exodus says, Exodus it says, you are only supposed to worship God. So people are like, why are you going to worship this baby? You need to be worshiping God. And when these magi arrived, they presented their gifts. They fell flat on their face and they worshiped the king of kings. What I wanted to do today is I want to help you recenter your lives. Chances are that you have been real busy lately. You know, maybe you've been getting your home ready. You've been shopping. You've been attending parties. You're getting ready for this Christmas season. And maybe you haven't taken the opportunity to worship. And that's what we're going to do today. Like I said, I've got a couple of different songs that we're going to play throughout the sermon. And I invite you, close your eyes and worship God through them. If you know the songs, you can sing. But we're gonna, I want to help you, get you in the mood to worship. Worship is this. Worship is saying, I trust you, Lord, even when I don't see it. Your will be done even when my heart doesn't feel it. I will follow you even when my mind doesn't understand it. So three reasons to worship Jesus this Christmas season. If you're taking notes, first point, point number one is this. We are going to worship Jesus for who he is and the hope he offers. So who is Jesus? If you're still there in Matthew, just turn back to Matthew chapter 1. And we're going to find out who Jesus is. Matthew 1, verse 21, says this, And she shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And again, a lot of first century Christians would be really thrown for a loop here. They would be calling Matthew a heretic. What do you mean God is going to be with us? God can never be with us. Because they knew that back in Exodus, you know, Moses wanted to look on the face of God, and God said, No, you can't handle it. You can't handle looking on my face. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to walk by, and after I get by, then you can unveil your eyes and you can see the backside of me. God was so radiant that they were like, no, we can't ever look at God. Isaiah said, I just caught a glimpse of the Lord up in the sky. And I am of unclean lips and I have dirty. He said, I am undone. I am becoming unraveled. I can't even be with myself because the Lord is so awesome. These Jews, they knew about the places called the Holy of Holies, which was where God dwelt. And the Holy of Holies was where the high priest would go to make the sacrifice. And they would tie a rope around the high priest's leg, where if that high priest had any fault in him at that time, he entered the Holy of Holies. He was struck dead because of how holy God was. But Matthew says, 
No, God will be with us. And this was revolutionary. Let me tell you who Jesus is. In John 10, 9, it says, He is the door at which we enter. He is the gate. He calls himself the good shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep. Jesus is the living bread. He is the bread of life. He is the living water. And if anyone thirsts after him, they can come to him and get something to drink. And it says they will never thirst again. Who is Jesus? He is the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. He is simultaneously the Lion of Judah, but also the Lamb of God who was slain for the world. Who is Jesus? He is Emmanuel, God with us. Let's worship him for who he is.
We are going to worship him for who he is and the hope he offers. The second thing, if you are taking notes, is found in 2 Timothy 1. The second reason why we will worship Jesus. We will worship Jesus for what he has done and the hope he has brought. We will worship Jesus for what he has done and the hope he has brought. Second Timothy 1, 9 and 10 says this. Who has saved us and called us with a holy calling? Not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given, in, given us in Christ Jesus before the world began, but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and he has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. We will worship Jesus for what he has done and the hope he has brought. I'll tell you this worship will get you through the roughest times in your life. When you truly decide to worship Jesus, it will get you through the roughest times in your life. Why? Because it shifts your focus from the problem to the problem solver. Some will say, we well, you know, Jesus has never done anything for me. Jesus has never done anything for me. And I would say, that's because you don't know him. If you don't think Jesus has ever done anything for you, then you do not know my Savior. I can promise you this, that once you know him, you will find out that he has done more for you than you can ever imagine. Some of you may have a very good head knowledge, but not a heart knowledge. You're missing it by 18 inches. When you decide to trust Jesus, you become a totally different person you are one person one day and somebody completely different the next day and some of you may be like me and be like well that really wasn't true for me with my whole salvation story because i was saved at a young age you know like me i was saved i came to christ at five years old so i wasn't going out and vandalizing things at five years old at least i hope not for my sake but I know later on in my teen years, 
Let Jesus transform my life. I wasn't always living as a Christian in my teen years. Does that mean that I wasn't saved? No. It doesn't mean that if I would have died, I would have gone to hell because I had Jesus in me. And once you are saved, he says, none can pluck you from thine hand. What it does mean is that I was not following the one who gave me life. He can take you from a hurting heart to someone who is healed. He can take you from an angry person and soften your heart. And like me, in my teenage years, he took me from all sorts of sin and forgave me for stuff that I wouldn't even want to admit, for stuff that I wouldn't want anybody to know about. Because he brought me hope. He forgave me. And he changed me. And I'm telling you, he can do that for you too. When you know him like that, you just have to worship him. If you haven't been changed, it's probably because you don't know him. We worship him for who he is, Savior of the world. Because he is a good, good father. That is why we worship him. good good
I'm so thankful that God is not fair, but that he is good. Because if he was fair, each and every, every one of us would never see heaven. Point number one was we worship God for who he is and the hope he offers. Number two, we worship God for what he has done and the hope he has brought. And the third thing, if you are taking notes, is this. We worship Jesus for what he will do and the hope for the future. Not just for who he is or what he has done, but what he will do and what he promises us. Think about this. The Magi, like we said, they traveled for over 900 miles to see a little baby who hadn't even done anything yet. Jesus hadn't performed any miracles at this time. He hadn't died on the cross for us. The only thing that he had done was he was born. But yet, they still fell down and worshipped him. Maybe some of you will do this today. You will say, I would love to worship Jesus in my life right now. But you know, some things just aren't the best. They're not going well. And I'm not really thankful for my circumstances. And I wish they would change. Well, you can worship him the same way that the Magi worshipped him. And that is worshipping forward in faith. We're going to look at Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 3. Verses 20 and 21. And it says this. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. Unto him be the glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. You know, some of you are saying, you know, you don't know how bad my life is. You don't know how bad my marriage is right now. It can't be fixed. It can't be fixed by you alone. But it can be fixed by the king of kings. I'm telling you this. God can get you right side up when you're totally upside down. In only ways that he can. Maybe you don't think anything will ever get better. But I challenge you to worship him forward in faith. Because he is a good God. He is a good, good father. And he has a plan for your life. He has a plan to bless you and to prosper you. And to give you a hope and a future as we know that it says in Jeremiah 29. And I'm not trying to give you some sort of prosperity gospel here saying, you know, don't worry, just worship Jesus and everything will be okay. Because coming to Jesus doesn't mean that everything will be all right. It almost certainly means that you're going to have trials because Satan is out there working against you and wanting wanting for you to curse God and say, you know what? Yeah, God didn't do anything for me. 
what I'm saying is, what I'm saying is, even when you don't think about it, God's plan is always the best plan. It may not be always the easiest, but it's always the best. How easy do you think it was for Mary, a teenage girl, to be like, I'm carrying the Savior of the world? And now we have to travel 90 miles from our hometown, and I am pregnant. How easy do you think it was for the Magi to travel 900 miles to see this king who hadn't even done anything yet, but yet they still fell down, praised him, and worshipped him? I read of this story back in the 1900s. There was a popular saying around Christmas time, and it was, keep the fork. Things weren't purchased today like they were back then. So they didn't have, you know, the plastic ware where you go to eat dinner, you eat your dinner, you use the fork, you throw it away, you get another one for dessert. No, they were very frugal with their money. So after dinner, they would always tell everybody to keep the fork. Why? Because there was still more to come. You thought the mashed potatoes and the ham and the stuffing was good, but no, you hadn't had the dessert yet. You hadn't had that apple pie yet because there was still more to come. And I'm telling you to keep the fork because the best is still yet to come with God. There is still more He wants for your life. Some of you are worshiping Him for who He is. And for what he has done. But it's time to worship him for what he is going to do in your life. Worship him.
I will bring praise. I will bring praise. No weapon formed against me shall remain. I will rejoice. I will declare. God is my victory. And he is here. In all of my life. And every season. You are still God. And I have a reason. What is the one gift that Jesus wants from you this year? And it is your worship. More than just a song, more than our voices raised, our hands raised, worship is so much more than that. In the view of who Christ is, what he has done, And what he will do. I will bring him a gift. And I am that gift. Romans 12, 1 says this. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, or I urge you by the mercies of God that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. For this is your spiritual act of worship. What is the one thing that Jesus wants from you? The only thing he wants and the only thing that you can give is your life. Not just a song or two, but offering your bodies as a living sacrifice. This is your spiritual act of worship. A.W. Tozar said this, Any man or woman on this earth who is bored and turned off by worship is not ready for heaven. We're going to go ahead and pray. Go ahead and close your eyes and bow your heads. God, I ask, I ask that your Holy Spirit would center us and our life on you. With your head bowed and your eyes still closed, I have a question for you. In this busy Christmas season, maybe again you have been overwhelmed by the shopping and the wrapping, the packing, the planning, and the cooking, and maybe you haven't given your life or your heart in worship this season or this week. And you really do. Maybe you really do want to worship Him. Not just now, not just on Sundays, not just with songs, but maybe you're saying, I want to truly worship You, God, with my life. I know I've been busy, Lord, but I want to be a living sacrifice for you. I want to worship you for who you are, what you have done, and I'm going to keep the fork for what you are going to do. How many of you can say, you know, God, I haven't been worshiping you the way that you deserve. I know my life is not what it should be or could be. And I want my life to be a sacrifice of worship.
Maybe you can't worship God because you don't know Him. Maybe you have never come to a time or place where you can say, I need you, God. I need you in my life. We're going to open up the altar. And if you have never placed your faith in Jesus, I challenge you now, today, to not walk out the door without putting your faith in Him. Or maybe you're saying, I want to worship you, Lord. And I haven't this week. But from now on, in every area of my life, God, I'm going to worship you.